0: In partnership with Paizo, the No Direction Network welcomes you to our PaizoCon Online 2020 seminar coverage. While you enjoy your PaizoCon Online seminar coverage, remember that these were recorded online and that some minor audio and connection issues are to be expected. Welcome to Pizocon Online 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param from No Direction, and I'm joined by
1: I'm Ryan Costello, also from No Direction. And I'm Alexander Agunis, And we are joined by Peyton Smith from Pizo. Hi, Peyton.
2: Hi,
0: hi guys. How are you guys doing today?
1: Good. good.
0: I'm pumped. There's, Very good. There's gonna be some there was some fun news yesterday. There's some stuff I'm looking forward to today. What was the fun yeah, news you heard yesterday? Oh, man. Uh, the They talked a whole lot about the Starship Operation Manual in the Starfinder chat, and they mm-hmm. mentioned the one thing I wanted so much from Starfinder that was missing from the beginning. And they told us in the pre-Starfinder would be in the game eventually. Squadrons. No, like Starfinder is really good at simulating Star Trek styled uh, space battles because that's kind of the default setting. And that is fun when you want to be the Enterprise uh, crew, but it is going to now support individual space dogfighting in squadrons. Because my favorite space fantasies, uh, while I am a fan of the Star Trek, my actual uh, favorite ones are Space Above and Beyond. Uh, Babylon 5, uh, Wing Commander, uh, you know, the Battlestar Galactica. I love the idea of the solo operative or the group of solo operatives relying on absolute pure skill and being able to turn on a dime in order to uh, make sure that you all don't die in a horrible space vacuum.
3: <laughs> well, I hope I'm you like hear what about we came the up with. Uh...
2: Yeah, did you hear about the Voltron rule, where you can uh, kind of take your ships together and just basically make a giant Voltron spaceship?
1: Why are you trolling?
3: (laughs) It's like even I know that's not real, and I barely do any. No, hold on, it's it's not real, right? No, I I wrote that. I wrote that section. It's in the book. That's actually real. Oh my goodness! goodness. No, they didn't mention that.
0: Holy crap! Yeah, I
3: thought you. (laughs) you
0: know. no,
2: John Compton wasn't messing with you. No, right. he wasn't oh, lying. Cool. I
3: I I wrote a Voltron rule for the the squadron combats where all the ships can come together in the big ship. <laughs> Very cool. Who's oh, yeah. so so controlling the Voltron work then? I can't say anything. Because oh no, hasn't of course been right,
1: right. <laughs> yeah, He signs.
2: He signs some papers. So, so uh, John, well, uh, then
1: I am looking forward to finding out how controlling the Voltron yeah, works. Yeah, you know okay, what, John, the... come.
3: John Compton right. was really kind on scream. he he called out my, my work on that section, so I, I feel comfortable saying that it was me, but like it was like it was like, oh, this is so nice, thanks, John. and then chat blows up, Voltron, Voltron. I was like, yeah <laughs> that's right. oh man, yeah I What I will say is that when I wrote that section, I rewatched, like, all the classic Star Wars movies, and I was in the middle of season, like, three or four of the new Voltron, and so, like, it was really on my head when I was trying to figure out how squadrons would work in my initial pitch. Obviously, stuff changes in development, and I'm really excited to see what it looks like now, too, but it makes me really happy to hear that rule is in there, because that was the rule that I was like, if anything is going to get cut, it's Voltron. (laughs) But, no, Voltron is great. (laughs) I'm glad you used the new Voltron for inspiration
1: because, like, in the old show, it's like, why aren't you just always Voltron? But in the new show, the Lions have individual powers that they sacrifice to get new powers as Voltron. Like, it makes more sense to switch back and forth.
3: And I like the new one because in the new Voltron, like, they give the team reasons where, like, dividing and conquering makes more sense. So, like, Voltron isn't always available. So like like for me, I'm like, oh, you're not using Voltron because, you know, you guys are on different sides of the galaxy. That makes sense. I'm good with that.
0: Uh, and I have had Voltron on my brain lately because uh where in some of the 3D printing stuff I've done, I stumbled across somebody who made a set of uh 3D printed bits that you can mod out a Space Marine Terminator and make him look like a Voltron Terminator.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. What's a Voltron Terminator?
0: It basically, it puts, uh, on on their hands, it puts lion hands, and it puts, like, instead of the Space Marine helmet, it's the black lion head. And... Okay. <laughs> so we
2: thinking, I'm uh, modeling um, that object that's behind me. It's basically all 3D printed. I think a, a fan Ooh. printed this entire thing. It's not really on brand or anything like that, but I <laughs> it's a prized possession of mine, and I really, really enjoy it. And, it must. Um, it's the cool. only
1: interesting thing in your background so clearly <laughs> that means <laughs> i have an <laughs> entire important.
2: library off to the side but i have barely anything in this apartment because so i have because i live very just minimal for the most part so it's mm-hmm. the only major set piece in this entire
1: place oh, but, I um, the opposite of minimal but the stuff behind this curtain is such a mess
2: <laughs> so um it's it's our clever way of hiding all of our disasters so one of the things that we're also doing here is PaizoCon. So welcome back, yeah. everyone. The Pizocon, Uh, It's, I believe, is today. Ah, the days are mixing together. I think today is a Thursday. I think it's the 28th. And I think the first panel that's going to be coming up after this pre-show is the Art of Paizo, where they'll be doing a live drawing. Uh, Some of the art directors and the uh, director of visual design, everything else, Sarah Robinson will be here. Uh, they will be showing off a whole bunch of interesting arts in I got to see some tidbits as well, which is going to be very interesting. I know a lot of people to be excited. For it. I wish I could say what it is, you know, because he is, as I've said before, in other panels that I, I, I work in a very weird position. I talk to the designers and developers a lot and to their dismay, when I come up and go and like, we got to do this now. And then I see the dread in their eyes and and at the same time, I get to see all the stuff that they're working with. I get to, uh preview all the stuff and i get to kind of be in a position as well uh in my department and everything else where i get to kind of be a little bit of a fan of their work you know even though i get to go to lunch with them and all this other stuff i get to be a little bit of a fan and whenever i get my uh copy of the books that we make i kind of like i'm very happy about it because it's like oh cool now i actually get to enjoy this book even though i have all the pdfs and everything available to me like super early it's just kind of like i finally get to have the book and that's always precious to me and a lot of stuff that I get to see from the art department is when a lot of concepts and stuff really starts to come in, you get really excited because this is the beginning of it. You know, this is the kind of the beginning of the process to where you get to see all the new interesting things which are to be coming out far into the future. You actually get a glimpse of what they're working on, like in a visual sense. And I am overly excited and I got to see some of the images that they're showing in the Art of Paizo, and you might be interested in some of the stuff they're going to show there. Ooh. But at the same time, they're also going to be doing a uh, sort of like their Q&A section is always different for PaizoCon, and I believe in the tradition of Past PaizoCon, which this is my first one. So unfortunately, I haven't been able to live to this tradition, where they usually do a live drawing, where you guys get to make inputs of what the artists are going to draw. So if you guys have always wanted to potentially influence a Paizo artist, to draw something you've always wanted on screen, this is going to be the panel, along with seeing some very interesting images that might lead up to
1: something. Uh, those yeah, so are traditionally that, two yeah, different ahead. seminars, and they've been merged into one, where it's showing off art, and yeah. you get to influence the live drawing, which is really cool.
2: Mm. And right after that is our major marquee event, which is the organized play one, where uh, a lot of the organized play team will be coming together, in which they finally got a United and, logo, by the way. Go ahead. Uh, we went red. Okay, we're good. Oh, th- that probably means it's just buffering and stuff like that on OBS. Like sometimes frame rate will drop and all that other stuff. So we can just keep going. So if um, so, so if they catch up, awesome. If they need me to repeat it, I could be efficient to repeat it. That's just fine. Um, so the organized play team will be coming in and they will basically be revealing a whole bunch of stuff. And they finally got a United logo, which is a fancy, just all together organized play logo, which is going to make Ooh. talking about the game or about organized play in general a lot easier for us. And uh, especially for all the players. So instead of just saying this society and that society and that society, and that, society and that society, you just say it's organized play. So mm-hmm. it's a lot easier for you all. Yeah, I, uh, I don't after- like having to write
1: PFS slash SFS. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So now you just got organized play and we got a fancy logo for it. If you go to uh, basically our PaizoCon page on PaizoCon.com or pis- yeah Paizo.com. There we go. Mm-hmm. Then uh, you should be able to see pretty much where it says paisa and stuff see the new logo and everything Uh, right after the organized play marquee we have adventure path design where we're revealing a lot of interesting things as well on top of that so i hope you guys tune in for that and then right after that we have our live play we'll be ending off the event with roll for combat they're doing tales from the black lodge it's going to be i think they're doing a pathfinder second edition society game so a good thing for organized play this day and uh, from all of those, are you guys super excited for any of these panels? Anything about these panels? You're like, I really want to know what they're going to talk about on this panel or not.
0: The, or, yeah. oh, go ahead, Ryan.
1: No, you go ahead.
0: Ryan. Ah, good, go ahead. Uh, the organized play, not the old peep, uh the Adventure Path design panel, I'm a fan of every single year. Because those are some of the, okay, first, Paizo is known, uh, foremost of making the best Uh, pre-written adventures in the industry. Their stuff is top-notch. They do these massive APs. It's one of the most complicated, difficult, high-end writing for uh, role-playing games that can be done. And it is absolutely one of the most difficult things to put together. And because of that, the AP designers are some of the best adventure writers. And if you are a GM of any variety You're either running something pre-written or you're writing it yourself. And in either of those two situations, listening to what some of the best adventure designers in the world have to say about how they're doing their work and advice for using it and advice for making it is valuable to you. So you, you, everybody uh, that is listening to puzzle cloud online would be doing themselves a disservice to not pay attention to that panel. Definitely. Additionally, on top of year, that as
2: well, uh, go go ahead.
1: Uh, I was going to change to a different panel. So if you have thoughts on that, go for it.
2: Oh, no. Uh, what I was going to mention as well is all throughout the convention and something as well. Uh, we do several things here, not even on just this stream itself, but also on our Discord. We're also doing giveaways. And uh, I'll be giving you, I'll be giving away tons of stuff inside of these streams. So if you guys continue on throughout the entire stream, you can potentially win some prizes, maybe some Roll20 bundles, vouchers from Sirenscape. Uh, if you guys are interested in building your own characters and getting some build assistance for them with a uh, creation tool with Hero Lab, we have codes for that. Uh, we even have, you know, uh, codes and vouchers and stuff like that for you to get a free bag of goblin Goblin Gulp coffee which I still have a bag here, which is going to become normal for me to bring this up every time. It's still really, really good coffee, and we can get you a free bag of it. All you have to do is just oh. attend to the streams and hopefully be there uh, whenever I do the giveaway. So the stream isn't the only place where it's happening, though. If you do exclamation point Discord in chat, and if you spam it, the bot's are only going to post it so much. But um, in the Discord, we're also giving away stuff as well. So if you're participating in our uh, PaizoCon 2020 Discord, Uh, We are also giving away tons of these items at the same time. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are interested in that, we'd appreciate it if you guys come over and say hello, join some of the events, some of the offline panels. Because even though the streams are hosting some of our big reveals and stuff, we still have some amazing people doing some offline panels over on the Discord. So we would appreciate it if you come over and say hi. Yeah. And And, uh, Ryan, I think you had something to say.
1: Well, uh, I do want to talk about the coffee because I know it was announced about a month, maybe even two months ago. And it felt like most of the reaction was, that's neat and kind of weird, but all right but it feels like a lot of people at Pisacon have been really talking up how good this coffee is. And it is.
2: Uh, it's really interesting how it came together too, but continue.
1: I actually want to know how it came together.
2: Uh, well, I, I've only, it's, it's very interesting for me because obviously I talked to our licensing manager right? and I think Glenn was our my licensing guy at the time. Now we have a uh, Mr. John there. And um, normally I, I usually will sit in, sit in and we'll get emails and stuff. There's a often how that process will work. And, during one of our meetings are kind of like, Oh yeah, we're, Oh yeah. We're working with uh, geek grind to get coffee. And I'm like, coffee. Like it seems, <laughs> it seems like a, it seems like a weird thing to do, but I'm like, no, I actually want coffee. <laughs> like I think everybody wanted this to happen because we're, because obviously uh, up in the Seattle area, because I'm still kind of getting more acumen to the Seattle area up here. Cause I'm all the way from down Louisiana that um, coffee is more of a big deal up here than it is down there. And um the more and more the, the idea kept rushing around for everyone in the office, the more and more this became a um, a thing. Like more and more, it became like a good and good and better idea. And we just love the system that they have with their their. It's a very geeky, obviously because of their name, coffee line. All their coffees are phenomenal, and it's to the point to where it's like even just with the and Go itself, I'm actually thinking of buying extra some extra bags from them, uh, not just from just and Gove itself, but the rest of their line as well. So I'm. Uh, it was really interesting on how it came together we're just like, yeah we just all want coffee at that point <laughs> that was the that was the layman's just over oversimplification of all the process that happened going, yeah, we're into this and I think our I think our fans and our customers would be in, into this as well,
0: yeah I mean with this the logo itself i I can just imagine that this is a I, that goblin on the cover I'm scared to death of what happens when a tribe of goblins get a hold of this stuff. Just to kind of show it off a little bit, just for chat to see a little bit. Now that's the uh, cover
1: oh, of the it. the product's page is up on the, page, on the, the video.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm.
1: I wonder. Now, before you <laughs> brought up the coffee, I did want to talk about the art of Paizo panel. Because mm-hmm. before we would live stream PaizoCon panels, uh, we would just record the audio and I would post it after the fact. And every year the debate was, do I post the art one? Because it's mostly just Sarah Robinson saying, now look at this picture. And then talking a little bit about the picture, but in the context of people can see the picture, so she's not describing it. So it is one of the only panels that if you miss the live stream of it, you are completely missing the point of that panel. So Mm -hmm. And now that it's been combined with the design a monster uh, live, uh, like that panel too, like. It's one of the panels that I think people should definitely try and catch live, like go out of the way your way for it, everything else will be audio at some point, it will be spread as news, but that one is a
3: live experience. Definitely. This like worked out really well because the panel I'm most excited for is the organized play panel. (laughs) Um, uh, Personally, like for me, uh, I recently had a scenario come out in March. It's um, 1-17, the Perennial Crown Part 2. And uh, my scenario has the meta plot tag, which means that it's part of the overarching story of Season 1. So I'm really excited to hear from the developers for uh, Pathfinder Society on like where the Pathfinder Society is going to go in the uh in season 2 and where it went in like the last couple uh installments of the current season just because like I have almost like this vested interest in it because without spoiling much of anything my scenario in, uh, introduces a uh a very major antagonist to the Pathfinder Society and I really can't wait to see where that character ends up going and how that character ends up affecting things in uh the Mowangi Expanse. I can't even really say the Pathfinder Society. It's more like the Moaengi Expanse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man! What I'm really hoping for the OP panel when it gets to Q and A is somebody asks them how they're going to handle uh, the uh squadron stuff i mean does this mean we're going to get all mm-hmm. new starships for uh for organized play because as much as i love starfinder society um the uh the integration with the starship combat has always been a, a little bit of a bumpy road not because of uh of it being uh, this um a un- enjoyable experience it's just it's a lot of how to uh, how do you integrate this with enough adventure so that we're doing enough of it and in this mode of play and then switching completely mm-hmm. over uh, uh, to uh, traditional role-playing?
1: Well, yeah, plus I, balancing a crew using Starfinder Society, just wrangling whatever Starfinder characters are available, that becomes a greater challenge. That's not something that Pathfinder Society has a similar, like have a, has an equivalent issue for. Right.
0: But Definitely. Pat, so Starfinder at least is uh, is very good in that all of the classes have something in their default kit that will contribute to the starship role and honestly it was one of the uh probably one of the inspirations for how pf2 has then later expanded to make sure that every single character can build something in the skill based section that is useful for the party. Mm-hmm.
3: definitely uh, i oh sorry sorry to interrupt there. um Dewittlands, Alex. Alex. Oh, I was. Yeah, sorry. I was gonna say. I, I saw you raise your hand, so I thought you wanted to say something. Um, oh no, I was gonna wait till after you. You go first, uh, and then I'll I'll do my. Okay, own. my bad. Uh, I- I think one of the things that's really uh, cool about starship combat and Starfinder too two is like, now that we have uh, the character operations manual, uh, that mission statement of every character can contribute to starship combat has like never been truer because like for some classes, like the soldier and the solarian and the mystic, if you were going to have them participate in starship combat, you usually needed to take special feats or archetypes in order to get the most important skills. But character operations manual added the first mate and the, um, uh, the magic officer roles to the game so now they just cover things that those classes can automatically do and i'm really excited to see how that continues to grow in starfinder society and in the starfinder product line as starship combat is like a little bit more accessible now
0: i mean the idea that i get to magic your death star is is already cool concept yes use the force param Okay.
2: Peyton. All right, so one of, one of the things I wanted to do is, um, since we're talking about this coffee a lot, and I still have some codes to give away, so there's still a giveaway in our pre-show for people who have who needed coffee to get here as early as possible. Mm-hmm. So I think they need some more coffee. So for those of you currently in chat, I need you to type me PaizoCon2020. I put some instructions there in chat. Uh, you put that in, and as we kind of go through the pre-show, once the pre-show starts to kind of get to its end, uh we'll go ahead and reveal a winner. And uh from that winner, then we'll have to uh, get some information so then Gig Grind can then send you a free bag of this coffee. Uh so you know it's US only. It's US only. So I apologize for everyone else in the world. It's kind of their restriction right now. Like we we really wish we can do it internationally, but their logistics and problems and stuff like that, especially in the world that we're living in right now. So that's just to kind of help things along. So a positive, positive discussion. So we'll ask people type PizerCon 2021 to possibly win a bag. Uh, What else um, about the panels and stuff are you guys excited for?
1: Well, first, on behalf of the rest of the world, I accept your apology, Peyton. (laughs) But actually, I'd rather just talk a little bit more about the the Starfinder reveals from yesterday. Because first of all, as an outsider, I've always heard that Starship Combat is one of the iffy things about it. And now a whole book dedicated to it is coming out. And it's cool to see Param, you and Alex organically excited about Starship Combat. This is the most positive I have heard Starship Combat described since Starfinder was released.
0: Yeah, I think with Starfinder is that Starship Combat works really well if you build a whole team around it and you make it a core part of your assumption for the game going into it. But because Starfinder and especially uh, Starfinder Society organized play accepts so many different concepts of uh, sci-fi, and you really get to make your own sci-fi protagonist based off, and and you can base them off of the uh, sci-fi assumptions of like a, a humongous range of fiction and novels and stuff that is out there. Uh, it's quite often that you build a, a crew or put a star uh, a Starfinder crew together that just isn't as tightly designed and planned uh, to run the enterprise as if you did it on purpose. Now, if you do it on purpose and make that part of the uh, character design in a home group, it's fantastic, but uh, it's, it's a little bit harder when you don't know who you're going to be playing with, because you often end up with, I'm the captain. Well, I have the captain skill. I also have the captain skill. Oh, we need
3: (laughs) a gunner (laughs) to shoot the fake captain. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just had flashbacks to the infamous Doritos incident. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't tell James I told this in front of a live audience of 500 people, but uh, we we played a special last year at Gen Con where it was me, James, and two of our friends from home. And then, like a couple other people who joined our table. And uh, what nobody did, nobody talked about what characters they had at the tier we were playing because it was like tier 10, 11. It's like the highest you could play at the time. And, Sorry, Alex, uh, we got two minutes just to let you know. Okay. <laughs> that party ended up with a, a soldier, a Solarian, a soldier Solarian, and James' is envoy. That's the story. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah, since so you have two minutes left, let's go ahead and give away um, that piece of coffee. I want to go ahead and click roll it. And good luck to whoever wins it. And it is Dread363. Congratulations, man. So what I'm going to be doing is uh, just confirm that you exist in chat by saying hello or I won and stuff like that. I will whisper you. And went there you go. And uh, basically, uh, I'll be whispering you on Twitch. Be sure to check your whispers. It should pop up as a little box kind of down below your screen and stuff like that here in a second. Please sure to check it because I've had some people win and not respond to their whispers so i need oh. did you guys tell me i was like because they missed out on stuff i can't give them stuff if they don't talk to me right. so with that uh i think we go and start closing off here soon because i think we have an art panel coming up
0: And we're back. Welcome back to PuzzleCon Online 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param from No Direction. And I'm joined by
4: also from the No Direction Network. I'm Ryan Costello. And uh, I'm Adam Vick, uh, one of the art directors here at Pfizer. Hey, Adam, it
0: has been a fun panel to actually get yeah, to great. give the audience all the art in in full quality for the first time. Usually when we do these panels, like Ryan mentioned earlier, it's like, it was a fun panel, but it's highly visual, and we're a podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. oops. Imagine. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, all of our players and everybody, I'm sure, have great imaginations, so, you know, there's always that. But it's always good to be able to actually show, you know, everything fully formed.
1: Well, I've also said before, I don't speak art, which is why we mm-hmm. haven't had nearly enough artists on the podcast. But it was really fascinating to listen to you all like, here's that's a picture. Fine. And, fine. Well, then, do invite <laughs> some artists onto the podcast. Yeah. Wonderful. The I'm going to invite you, Adam. Fine. <laughs> the Let's point I was trying to get at was it was fascinating hearing you being like, oh, the shadow choice on this back leg of the spider. It's like, like, I don't even think to notice that stuff. And that's like, a defining feature of like a really good choice this artist made it's really yeah. cool to listen to you just
4: like gush over art that you enjoy mm-hmm. and i really yeah, like i'm you- oh, sorry Oh, i was just gonna say you know that's um those are just some of the the perks or the aspects as you see when stuff comes in that kind of keep you excited about things and especially when it's uh part of your knowledge base and you can just kind of see the application of it you know and it's like every time In some ways, like you'll see an artist that you regularly use and they outdo themselves and you're like, wow, that's awesome, man. Like, you know, can't can't wait to see what's next. So um, that's just a a cool part of it, I guess.
0: I really like how you were talking about things uh, like this is meant to sit on a page and what that actually means in terms of what it makes good art, like having a light backlight complementing the front light and why that works Mm -hmm. in the print medium and we don't always see it in other mediums so uh, and why that's important Uh, what are some other things about designing art for rpg books that is unique or maybe your average audience member might not know goes into the thought process
4: that's funny i actually just hired a new artist and had a big discussion with him about that because he was sending in some really cool artwork but he wasn't thinking of the fact that, you know, like you were just saying, it's put on a page and a lot of times it can be text that's flowing in around it or it's adjacent to something that needs to be represented. And so his sketches were really cool, but it had like a portion of it sticking out in a really weird angle that would have been jutting into the book that you, it, you couldn't have had the placement right to be able to read things in a clear way, you know, and it's kind of like, when you're an artist sitting down just thinking about drawing something cool, obviously the first thing in your mind isn't going to be like, "Hmm, I wonder how the text is going to look around this, but (laughs) you know, that has to be a portion of it because that's the product in the end. And so all the art kind of have to serve what the functionality of the product is going to be at the end to be able to be visually appealing and, you know, still able to function within the adventure or the stat blocks or whatever it's going to be so that people can use this thing or, you know, be able to have it function in their game. So that's kind of a point that I think a lot of artists when they're working for RPGs don't really think about that it's um, a relationship between the text and the art, which is funny because that's kind of a way that comic books work. But this is done in a whole different way where you actually read the text and then you have the artwork representing it on like a side instead of seeing it acted out in a panel. So it's a a different world for some folks in that way. I've
0: been doing that backwards for years and that's why I've been spoiling myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's also the mechanical aspects of it. How do you communicate to say a non-gamer who might
4: just be very good at fantasy or sci-fi art what the game needs of the art is? Um, So that's uh, where some of the developers kind of come in and they kind of give a concise description of that. And that's a big where our working relationship is being able to have this art function and still look good. And so it's just that's a big part of my job is just working with the artist going back and forth with that to make sure that it has what is needed from the developer and works within that. And so it, I'm kind of the filter for that. So that would be um, the best way that I could explain it. You know, Luckily, though, a lot of all of these artists are gamers too. So you know they have a love for this source material and they want to represent it the best they can. But for the ones that aren't, I think it's just having, um, having it concisely from what the developers need. And then I make sure that that ends up happening. Hasn't been does it ever go back the other way where you have to tell a
1: developer you have not given us any art direction in your Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: There's for sure there's times where it's like this isn't, you know, there's not enough here to go off of or the artist is having a really hard time. And that's also we'll send, you know, reference or supplemental materials of other things and be like, All right, please read this, take a look at this, like give yourself a sense of the background or story here so you can immerse yourself along with so your creation represents that but there are points where yeah it, it does come back and forth and we kind of have to work out a cohesive way of showing
0: when you're communicating with artists which is more difficult to communicate the concepts with the fantasy art for pathfinder or the sci-fi art for starfinder
4: so this would have been a little bit better where if, if uh if sarah would have been able to step in on this because i exclusively do Starfinder. Oh. So I don't work on any of the Pathfinder line. Um, so it's a little bit harder for me to say in, in, in that way. Um, but, you know, I, again, I think it just kind of comes down to what the developers are working on and then what we pull as references for the artists to go off of and just really trying to make it line up with everything that serves whatever the adventure or the story or the rules that are trying to come across. And so it's just uh, that relationship between us and the developer and presenting it to the artist.
1: We have a question from Lava being in chat wondering, how does the art team consider different depictions of playable races and ancestry? Like how much variety of a
4: single ancestry appears throughout all the art? Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> like get it, it, it depends. But in a lot of ways, that also is dictated by what the book is about or what the adventure is. So you know, sometimes a book will have more of a focus on, you know, uh, I'm seeing Leshy in there. You know, so that may be the developers that was in their pitch meeting. Somebody was feeling really pal- uh, passionate about that, and so they wanted to make a leshy character, the forefront of the adventure. So that would be something that they would work out together in their developer meetings or in our all hand creative meetings where people just throw and spitball ideas out. And so once a path is chosen in that way, then it will start picking up, um, picking up more steam as this will be the focus of it. So if if an elf, if an elf race is the focus, you know, that will expand more and more for that specific book. So it just kind of just depends on what ends up being the creative direction. Now, you mentioned working
1: with a new artist recently. How do you expand the roster of artists that you work with?
4: So we got a variety of ways. So we have, um, of course, we have submissions online, um, which I got to say sometimes are... Are looked at, but some unless you are exceedingly talented, where you blow us away just on very first quick glance, it's a little rarer to get hired through that. Uh, the best ways usually are through, you know, we always do portfolio reviews at uh, Gen Con, at Paizo Con. Occasionally we do a couple other places. We used to go to Spectrum, we uh, did PAX, I believe. So you can come and talk to us there and then also then we actively search people through ArtStation, um through not so much DeviantArt and art these days but mm-hmm. through you know others other uh, sites that are made for concept artists for things like that and you know we have a lot of things in mind what we're looking for so that will be the first search that we do and then so if we see something that we really like online then we just reach out to the person so i'd say if you are an aspiring artist um you know Please feel free to submit, but also just you know, put your best foot forward because that's going to be your first impression. So,
1: so cool. you should mention portfolio reviews at cons like Pizocon, because this is
4: PyzoCon. Yes, yes, it is. It How is, are you is. doing online portfolio <laughs> reviews? <laughs> you know, it did not get brought up this year, actually, which I'm like I, <laughs> which should have been something on our mind, I guess, but with everything being so crazy right now just try to get everything up and running and going so i would say if you know if there's somebody out there our emails are on the page on the website and you can uh, shoot it through the art portal there and you can say you were you know attending the virtual con and you heard what was going on and so and we'd take a look it's uh, probably the best way
0: are there any other tips you can give aspiring artists because i end up working with Uh, a lot of people that want to become concept artists, illustrators for games, movies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, What advice can you do for, say, a young aspiring artist coming out of college uh, to get started so that a company like you would take them seriously when it's time for them to have that portfolio review?
4: Um, Yeah, I I touched on this a little bit with, I believe, uh, on a podcast for you guys with John.
1: Yeah, John oh, Godax yeah. presenting. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, and um, so what I talked about in there, and this is a big thing, is that um, a lot of people, especially like you were just saying, as like a new artist coming out of school, their initial reaction is to take the shotgun approach. Mm-hmm. of I do this artwork, and I'm just going to go and send it to as many people as I can. You know, you try to get a bite and not just put it out into the world. And that's... Not a good approach, because like I was saying earlier, um, that's your first impression for different directors, for different people. And the big thing is that, especially for me, like, say, at Gen Con, is I have students that come up in their portfolio, and their artwork, say, isn't bad, but it might be very anime And, Paizo, we don't do artwork like that. That's not in our books. There might be something that has a touch of that influence, but you'll never see black-lined comic-style art that looks like Manga or something within our work. I have
0: contrary evidence.
4: (laughs) Okay. I don't want to say 100%, but in general, we have guidelines for our styles. Mm. And so there will be people that will bring me, or just even, it's not even fantasy art. It's just, you know, paintings from their life drawing class or something like that. Mm. And so the major thing to be is that as an art director, you're coming to ask to work for me or for us. So you're you're essentially, I'm I'm hiring you for a job. So if you come and apply for a job, you want to be as prepared as possible and you want to know about the job you're applying for. And that's a lot of people as they begin, they're just excited to try to get work that they don't really think about. I should be tailoring my approach to where I want to work for. And so that to me is the biggest thing is know the company you want to work for us, look at the artwork, Wayne Reynolds, Remco, is your stuff in that sort of world? Does it, does it fit in? Can you hold it side by side, you know, and be honest with yourself because one, it's not my job to really give you critiquing and to try to elevate you to the level to work for us. That should be something you work on with your fellow artists and with if you have a mentor or an instructor Um, it's not, it's okay to ask for feedback, but, I'm I'm not here to get you to the level to work for us. You should already be coming into that. And then we hire you and we go from there. So I think that's um, an important lesson to just kind of keep in mind is, you know, in the end that you are just asking for a job and be prepared for that job if you want it. Know what you're asking. Excellent. Now with designers and writers, they're often
1: told to try and get into third party publishers or Wayfinder and... Mm -hmm. A lot of time you'll see some really great art in both of those resources. Is that yeah? That I, you have ever looked for art? For for nice? Sure, I've
4: hired uh, I've hired a couple people from Wayfinder. Um, Tim has, has talked to me and showed me some people, and um, yeah, I, I think that actually I think that's a really good place to start. Um, you know, Green Ronin they have like some of their stuff like that, or other you know other adjacent companies, or you know, and that's the thing too is I like at a place like Gen Con. Where I've had people, I've seen their work and I go, you know, this isn't a good fit for us, but over across over here, they're they're looking and I think you guys would be a good fit for there. So there's definitely been some back and forth between other people. Um, You know, I always saw an example, too, of like somebody that say they wanted to do art for magic cards, you know, and I saw a, a couple artists that do that. What they'll do before is they'll take their art and they'll mock it up inside of a magic card, and then <laughs> compare it to other ones. And they'll be, does this fit? Does this look like it would be in a deck? You know, even though the art styles can vary, there still is a you know common theme there. And I kind of feel like that's something too that you know you could even do yourself. You could you know scan a page in and drop it in and overlay something and be like, does this work here? Does this make sense? You know, and just anything that you can do. I guess, in a way, to give less work to us is appreciated and will get you on a faster track, in a way, you know.
0: And I'm afraid I have to call this uh, short. We are about, I need to get ready to get the next panel. If you want to see some more uh, content like this, make sure you check out uh, our website, at nodirectionpodcast.com. We'd like to thank our pod, uh, our, our team, our con team for helping us make this possible. Thank the Paizo con team for helping also to put this together. Uh, thank Peyton because he has been the the frantic, uh, the frantic, uh, like a man Yeah, the, thanks me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and of course all of our all the volunteers and GMs.
4: Yeah, and uh, thanks to you guys too. You guys are doing an excellent job.
0: Excellent. Okay, so oh, we you. will be right back with the next panel. Organized
4: play. Harold. Hey,
0: And we're back. Welcome back to PaizoCon Online 2020, brought to you by No Direction. I am one of your hosts, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param. And I'm joined by.
1: I'm Brian Costello.
5: And I'm Vanessa Hoskins, Queen Kineticist.
0: And our yeah, very. Sp-
6: no, sorry. <laughs> I'm Tanya Aldridge, the organized play manager for Paizo.
0: Yes. That's uh, just for me. Okay, so. um. Sorry. Some of you all might have noticed that we had a little bit of a speed bump there. Um, Kentucky oh lost goodness. internet. All of it. All of it. Uh, the whole ISP went down for Kentucky, Virginia, South Carolina, like, like Atlanta. It was crazy. Um, but we're back. And uh, my team <laughs> got, uh, you all did great. Thank you all team. Thank you also for Piso for your patience, understanding, and quick adaptive skills and and peyton i owe you a box of cookies i know that your hair has gone white uh today and i apologize so also thank you for everyone watching us in chat on TV slash official paizo it has been fantastic spending these days with you all and i know that they're also giving away lots of cool stuff but tanya i was busy trying to chase squirrels away from fiber lines. What all did you announce at the marquee panel?
6: Yeah. Good sum up. Sum up. So we announced our new uh, seasons. Uh, We had already said Starfinder was going to be the year of exploration's edge. We have to say that one back in February, March timeframe so that we can have it ready for origins when we launch the new season. Uh, But with, Gen Con, being our place for Pathfinder Society, Pathfinder Adventure Card Society, we're able to hold that information a little bit closer and announce it here at Paisocon. So we also announce Pathfinder Society will be the year of corruption's reach and focus in Iobaria with its burning trees, cyclops, and plagues. Uh, Iobaria we have, is so scary. Yeah, but you know what? We haven't written a lot about it. And so society gets to go somewhere where we haven't been and actually start laying some foundations and poke some new things. So it's really exciting for the team in that we're not sliding into somewhere that's already got a lot of canon. We get to start making some of it. Um, We had to do that because Starfinder Society has been out in space where they can create just about anything they want Mm -hmm. and go gonzo. And I, I think Mike was a little bit sad that Thirsty got all of this phenomenal creation and we were always working in Galarian so we're a little the Pathfinder Society is a little more contained so we found him some frontier land uh, to go play in so uh, for Pathfinder, oh sorry
0: So uh, maybe take uh, this crazy weird idea put all the Pathfinders on a magic boat and then send them into the Astral Sea and then have that boat crash in Abaddon and just have fun inventing all new Mountains of horrors as you get to write each new adventure path or adventure session.
6: You know, when Mike listens to this, that might wind up making its way <laughs> in. Um, some really crazy things to the team. He I, I love his enthusiasm and his creativity because he'll come in and go, What about? And then we're like, Okay, maybe, <laughs> yeah, could be, sure. Tell us more. Um and then Linda, as the the lead on the Adventure Card Society, is going into Karamaga. She's actually going beneath Karamaga for a while as well. Mm. We've had a couple of things down there, uh, most notably Vanessa's Half Light Path, and uh, we had God's Mouth down there. But we haven't been under and in Karamaga for a while, so we kind of wanted to go back to that setting. Lots of undead. Um, maybe some control undead issues, but this is a place where undead get to be citizens and can walk around. So it's, it's kind of taking a little bit of a twist there. And that's the year of reborn strife. So she will be guiding us through that one as well. The art that we've commissioned for these uh, years and their symbols will be going up on the blog today. So if you weren't here and you want to see some really awesome depictions of where out the blog and uh, we'll have the highlights there as well
1: yeah that map of beneath Karamaga is really something mm-hmm. it's gorgeous to look at it's informative it's really like, well look at all out. the levels is I the know. is yeah. that
0: the same artist that did the uh cross section of the tyrant's vault
6: that one i don't know i would have to check with Art team on that one
5: but yeah that's that map is just so i know they're like, awesome it's so informative it's just it really pulls you in it makes you want to explore the area it's like i want to go there i want to see what's in that weird shaped area what is over there and uh like justin riddler and chad is saying lots of weirdness in Kermaga. there's just there's just so many random creatures creating this unique ecosystem of of monsters and sentient races and just strange goings-on that somehow all balances against itself and uh, it's such a fantastic setting. I'm, I'm excited to go there.
0: I thought the answer to what's oh. in Kermaga or is zombies. And it's always zombies.
5: It's sometimes zombies. There's like a whole slice of the the city that's dedicated to the creation and control of undead. So, you know.
6: There's troll augers. I mean, for me, troll. that is... The, yeah. That, that's the Karamaga denizen that's the first one i think of—is you know troll ripping open and, and fortune telling <laughs> out of his own intestines
5: and then just stuff them back in regen up and oh, yep,
6: ready for the again. next client
0: that reminds me of an old dungeon article that paizo uh put together that's one of my favorites where you have to go up against a group of trolls and the one of the traps is that you have to reach your hand into the rock face to pull the lever to open the door but the hole has a has a guillotine in it that chops your hand off every time. Mm-hmm. And the trolls are just like ow and then they get over it. But that's, that's clever. That's, it's 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 you all you all did that and it was awesome.
6: We have that's no cool. familiarity with sticking your hands in things and getting them bit off, do we?
5: I ne- I mean, there really needed to be a reason for the de- regeneration spell in Pathfinder <laughs> to exist. And there was no way to cut off limbs. So, you know, I wrote a trap to do it. Oh, and then you gotta do
0: it and then one of y'all were at the tail end of uh, Pathfinder uh, Society's one you have this big gigantic red beast that just rips off 1d4 limbs from somebody
6: beautiful uh, that is glorious go big or go home I, I think that was John's mother <laughs> entire last season
0: it was the first time I've go ever seen my home. players actually scared of a monster
6: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you want to cause like permanent, terrible damage yeah. Though uh we've gotten some some uh reports of TPKs and some pretty pretty substantial monster damage happening at PaizoCon online. So uh, I, I haven't got any bad reports about it, just kind of the oh my goodness, I just did this. Are my players okay? <laughs> well, I think so. No one's yelling. <laughs> um,
1: I saw a GM go into one of the Ask Me Anything threads and get a ruling on uh, a rule to avoid TPKing her. Table that she was at right now.
0: (laughs) Oh,
7: go for it. You know?
0: You all used to have me do a lot of GMing, and unfortunately, I tended to TPK my tables, and I didn't mean to. I didn't want to. I just did that Gen Con at least once every Gen Con.
6: My husband's also a GM, and so we'll go to conventions and. People call me deadly. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He's the deadly Woldridge. I'm fluffy, happy Woldridge. This is all good. You should know this. You sign up for his table. It's gonna be tough. Mine, meh, not so much. Um, it's six of his characters. Every book of the Rise of the Rune Lord's AP, I killed his character. He is the only one that's allowed to call me deadly. Oh, okay.
0: So you you talked a lot about these bounties that are going to be released for PF2. Um can you explain again how these bounties will work and how players can get started with these? And, and is there any special groups or play experiences that these will be uh, more suited for?
6: So when we started, yeah, when, when John came to us and said, you know, we really don't have anything that works well in a one to two hour environment for people after work in stores, in schools where you're trying to run them in a, you know, an hour lesson or a two hour lesson. Uh, what do you think about doing something like this? I was like, yeah, you're, you're right. We don't, you have to take a scenario and you have to figure out where to chop it And up the next week. It's not as great of an experience. So we built quest, but we built quest with all of the assumptions of a Pathfinder society scenario. There's a venture captain, there's a lead in. There's going to be some tearing so that you can flex it, and they still came out at the end. While we aimed them for an hour, at about an hour and a half, two hours, uh, some, and you had to have a lot of knowledge. And so, riffing off of that, Mike came up with the idea of what if we stripped away all of those pieces, and you just found the out in this village that's had, you know, a face on it and reward 15 gold pieces type thing. Mm -hmm. And we were like, ah, yeah, you know, I I need an extra 15 gold, who can't use extra 15 gold? Sure, Uh, sure. and I'm gonna get to the person that posted it and said, what do you want me to do? And that's where bounties were born. And that's even where the name came from, from a bounty board where look at what was available and pick what you wanted and, and move on. And so these have a tie-in in in that we will give you a Chronicle sheet, it'll have flat gold, flat experience, similar to a quest, because it's the same timeline, but it will be written for level ones only. So we don't have to worry about that whole challenge point, tiering, adding in monsters, taking away monsters. And it doesn't have a venture captain, so we don't have to have the whole background and how it ties into the society and a rationalization for why the society would do this job. It can mm-hmm. just go do X, get some reward type format, and we think that those will slide in and be much easier to get involved in.
0: Please tell me you're all are going to do, like, bounty posters that I can print off and, like, put up on a display in my, in my in my local game club.
6: Those would be pretty cool. Uh, We actually have that as some of the art ideas and what our art budget would go to. So um, we're finalizing the layout right now. We're trying to what the scenarios and the APs look like. But again, make it simpler, make it less intimidating. We want people to be able to pick them up, flip them open and run them and then go, oh, that was kind of cool. Now, where do I go from here? Well, we've got more of them or we've got these scenarios Mm -hmm. or we've got these adventure paths or. We've got some modules because we have the Slytherin coming out here soon uh, by Ron Lundeen. So it's another, you know, and so we're trying to make multiple adventures in different sizes and shapes and styles for every player to play.
0: I have something else. On... Go ahead.
6: Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, I had a question about bringing um, all of
5: the boons basically online and to the achievement point system uh, and unique rewards such as special weapons, unique feats, an airship perhaps. Uh, how do you <laughs> see that transition going?
6: Uh, what we asked of our tech team was a way that we could code in and say, can you check if they played this uh, scenario? Or did they mm. have this many action points? Or oh. did they do check box A when they played that scenario? So all of huh. these different component pieces so that when we load the reward in, we can put all the prerequisites and then it will appear if you've met those criteria.
5: So I'll log in and I'll say, well, what do I have available to play? And after I play the scenario where we race airships on the plane of air and I win the race, obviously, uh, I'll see my airship listed there for the number of of achievement points it will cost me,
6: right? Yeah, so that is our intention on it. It also means we don't have to track faction as closely because we can put the faction on the back end. It's something the players don't have to worry about the numbers. They just get options opening as they hit certain levels. So that's God one of the much more intuitive. Is this streamlined and gets rid of slotting boons? Cause then you don't have to go through ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You can just purchase them after.
0: I hate to cut this conversation short. We, uh, but we have to get uh, ready for the next panel here in just a few minutes. Thank you so much for joining us, Tanya. Thank you again for everyone helping us pull together. Uh, we hope you all have a fantastic PaizoCon. Ryan, any last thing
1: before we bounce?
6: I just come see us on the Discord. We'll answer more questions there the entire event. Okay.
1: And Ryan? Yeah, We'll see you when you wrap up in a couple hours.
0: All right. Later, everybody. We will be right back after this. And we're back. Welcome back to PaisoCon Online 2020. I am one of your hosts, Jefferson J. Thacker. Awesome as Param, and I'm not Jason Keeley. Uh, Ryan's in my spot. All this stuff went weird. I'm going to fix it. Uh,
5: <laughs> it's one of those days, Param. One out of
1: four ain't bad.
0: Uh, Ryan, you're up there. Here we go. Okay. Oh, Everybody's in there. fixing it? Yeah. I just got to drag That's the that... pictures around.
5: All right. So you fix it and we'll introduce ourselves. Excellent. Yeah.
1: You now know that I am Ryan Costello from the No Direction Network,
5: and I am of course Vanessa Hoskins, the mother of mimics.
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm
7: I'm Jason Keeley, uh, Starfinder AP developer. What's Vanessa. up, everybody? And that's <laughs> us. you've
1: gained a pin since last I saw you.
5: Gained a pin? Don't you oh, have? Uh, oh, yeah. I have my I have my Starfinder badge uh, for Ooh, Starfinder Society, and my Starfinder nice. pin and my Pathfinder pin. Oh, don't oh wow! That. You yeah.
1: are. You are on down. it.
5: I'm trying. Oh, what do uh, they call it? An
1: office
0: space?
5: flare. I, I, flare. Yeah, I have all my pieces <laughs> of flare. I
0: wanted to show this. Flare. I wanted to show this when we had Tanya on, but we ran out of time. But I may present you my very first actual Pathfinder character. Uh, hey, some, I know that guy. I, this is uh, well, I know the miniature. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think his name was like Riordan Shadows, uh, which is a really bad name. Um, and it was intentionally bad. Uh, I, uh, I I made him, when the core rulebook launched, I painted the mini uh, at the when Reaper was hosting the paint and take. Uh, we had somebody join in here? No, nope, no. Nope. When Reaper was hosting the paint and take, and then I ran into the society room, which was a tiny little closet of a room uh, with way too many people crammed into it because they, it was much more popular than you all thought it would be. And uh, played in Season Zero Among the Dead as my very first Pathfinder game. And I got upranked to a level 4-5 table with my level
1: 1 Rogue.
5: Oh, no! <laughs>
1: he survived. Rogue can contribute at level 1, at a level 4 table. I'm going to argue that. Oh, you yeah. You know what's
5: amazing? That's mm-hmm. almost exactly my first Pathfinder organized play experience uh, where I had a level one ninja at a level four or five table. So mm-hmm. actually, I think it was six, seven. It was way back when they had the one through sevens. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, a little scary. They kept asking me to scout and I'm like, no, I'm <laughs> not going <laughs> for her. I'm not going ahead.
0: All righty. So we are going to not talk about society, unfortunately, sure. because society's great. society's awesome. But that was last panel. This oh, panel we time. just got <sighs> done with. Was at the Adventure Path panel, and you all announced some exciting things. And the two biggest announcements, oh I God. believe, were "Fly for Your Die," which sounds yes. amazing. Um, it's
7: very excited. I
0: it's it's definitely That's in so the cool. top running uh, contention for what my home game group might play now, uh, whether I might run mm-hmm. for my home game group after we finish Age of Ashes, because um, that sounds awesome. That sounds like exactly what game we wanted to play when we heard about Starfinder. And the oh, terrific. and the other um, and the other big news announcement was the two three part Pathfinder adventure paths
7: starting next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to have the Abomination Vault mm-hmm. and the Fists of the Ruby Phoenix. Okay. Um, frankly, some of this was news to me too. <laughs> uh, being not not really in on everything that's going on in the Pathfinder stuff, but uh, uh, I, uh, especially the titles and the authors, I had no idea who was writing those.
1: Oh
0: uh we've got the special guest star
1: a munchkin yep. scarlet cameo scarlet, scarlet.
0: hey
1: scarlet. Hi, scarlet
0: we always love scarlet when she jumps into the chats let's
1: see <laughs> all right you're actually you are on the frame i was worried that maybe people just saw a bobbin ponytail or something <laughs> awesome so uh she came for her disney vitamins
0: ah uh, okay. very important we must eat your vitamins yes. Uh yeah,
1: this is a kid who once had a freak out in a grocery store cuz she wanted us to buy broccoli. <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's tiny and trees he, and it's delicious. Yeah, yeah tiny mean, trees.
1: Not liking
0: broccoli is almost a purely American uh a stereotype, but not stereotype, a purely yeah. American phenomenon. Uh if you go to uh, non-English speaking countries, they just don't understand the trope other than the fact that it's on English TV. Um, uh, broccoli is delicious especially when you smother it in cheese
5: well all vegetables yeah when you smother it in cheese.
0: but speaking no. about smothering it in cheese tell us about the uh, the abomination minute. vault
5: yep. oh. what?
1: <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure what you mean by that now I didn't see the panel so please Jason <laughs> is
5: that a question for me or a question for Jason yeah, either one go I for mean, it I... tell me
7: about abomination vault Vanessa would probably know more about it than I do
5: Oh my gosh! Well, what can I give away that wasn't least spoil, spoiled? Here's here's what I'm gonna uh, gonna accidentally break my NDA. Essentially, uh, like they were saying, it happens in a big mega dungeon that's been lying dormant underneath the Isle of Cortos for a long time, and your adventurers sort of run into this thing and are like, "Oh, here's this! Oh my gosh! There's all this stuff under here! Uh, it's it's fantastic! Uh, it's weird!" Uh, there's a lot of sandboxy so play. So if you want to do this dungeon exploration, what's going on? Sort of adventure. this one's for you. Uh, and I remember when putting it together there were lots of themes like uh, gross diseases and ghosts uh-huh. and abomination tentacle monsters and uh, it delivers. Um, there's all sorts of wonderful stuff in Ooh. there for that creepy, gross dark dungeon feel.
7: Yeah, the I mean, the Darklands has been traditionally a place of of weirdness and uh, grossness, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I I do remember. I mean, this sort of goes back to three five, but doing um, Savage Tide uh, back in the in in the old dungeon days, mm-hmm. uh, having some stuff that happened in the in the in the sort uh, of Darklands areas with just like big weird mushroom cities and uh, gross slimes and oozes. Yeah, so sounds like it's gonna be great good good on that in front
0: and after yeah, and I- oh sorry go for it
5: no no you go yeah and after, after that we have the the ruby phoenix tournament the mm-hmm. fist of the ruby phoenix, fist
7: of the phoenix. Yep.
0: and this what? is uh the second time we've gone back to the ruby phoenix because uh the year of the ruby phoenix was one of my favorite years for pathfinder society um, in which I spent a whole lot of time in Tian Shaw, and we also got to work with the uh, author Dave Gross uh, because Master of Devils was also set in The Ruby Phoenix, and uh, it was a fantastic uh, book. Uh, I liked it very much because it has a talking dog. Hi. Hello, Abigail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I'm not
4: Abigail. Oh, Scarlet. Scarlet. I'm
0: so sorry, Scarlet.
1: <sighs> I told her not to talk. Now she's getting kicked out. Well, oh, no.
0: There you go. Uh, 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 yeah, right.
5: I'm really excited to go back there because I love those uh, sort of tournament of champions sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of excuses to write some really interesting NPCs that mm-hmm. you get to make mm-hmm. friends with and then fight and then make friends again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I don't know. I I'm, I want to play that one. That one sounds great. Yeah,
0: I'll, I definitely like it because the Ruby Fingers Tournament is not supposed to be a lethal tournament. And so... Right. Uh, you get to have these cool conflicts, and you don't have to feel bad about it. But we don't <laughs> know what y'all are putting in the adventure, though. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, f-
7: yes, oh. I'm, I'm sure there'll be some uh, to keep to keep on uh, what, what the Ruby Phoenix tournament has been like in the past. I'm sure we'll we'll keep that through line. I mean, something is probably going to go terribly long, and people are probably going to get hurt, which will probably be the uh, plots of the adventures, right? Not just a full-on Mortal Kombat scenario. So I got to say this really excites me
1: because the first year that I was a venture officer was the year that Ruby Phoenix was the meta plot of the Pathfinder Society. And one of my personal goals was to figure out a way to run it as a full campaign because mm-hmm. the, the the module, the one uh, part module came out uh, around the same time and I couldn't figure out how to get the levels to work. So for it to now be laid out in an adventure path format, that's exciting.
7: Yeah. And it, it so this one does start at a higher level. It's going from 11 to 20. So, um it's just gonna be big, big fights, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: And that's what's so cool. You wanna play an end game, you wanna play with like all the special toys and all the cool powers? Like you get to start off that way. You are already a cool champion when you show up at the tournament, and it's mm-hmm. so exciting.
0: Now what levels um uh, what levels do the already available adventures for Pathfinder 2 take you to? I
7: think they all all go to 20, don't they? No, no, yeah, I'm not the APs, the one parters. Oh, gosh. we Well follow Plague
5: Stone takes you basically to level one... four. Oh, okay. So you don't play as level four, but you hit level four at Slithering starts in end. four, right? Yeah, and Slithering starts yeah. at four.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. S- well, man, so, so you, you could... Slither- <laughs> what? What's
0: wrong? It, it's effective name. It does what it's meant to do.
7: <laughs> the skin, skin crawling wow um, ah.
5: yeah so i've got a, a question on the about the starfinder adventures um we've seen Pathfinder second edition start to bring back the module line for that mm-hmm. are we gonna see modules for starfinder anytime soon
7: uh you know it it's it's it big bec- uh, like sort of uh Tundra was saying uh it becomes a matter of figuring out how to do that with our uh, team um uh, mm. because you know we have uh, a well, well, everyone is doing a lot. I'm sure for sure, and probably True. doing a bit too much. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's become a matter of what, who's going to, you know, end up writing it, and developing it, and, and, and yeah, it's a matter of, of logistics, and fitting it, and it's, it's basically a matter of just we want to do yeah. modules, we want to have these things,
5: and we want uh, you to have, do modules.
7: And, and people want them, and we want to give them to you. Um, so we are working on uh, uh, trying to figure out how to do that. I, I would say, uh, you know, behind the scenes, just, just figuring out what the What the logistics (laughs) are, and then what kind of a a module we want to do. All
0: right. Now, I hate to cut this Mm -hmm. short. I really do, because there's so much I want to talk about, especially with U3 in particular, because I have an affinity with adventure paths that are awesome, and and U3 in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, And I. Uh, but we have to uh, get out of the way because today is not over! You need to stay oh. tuned because here in just about five minutes, Roll for Combat will be streaming a live play tonight with Eric Mona as a guest star. Uh, they're mm-hmm. going to be playing Pathfinder 2nd mm-hmm. Edition. I am—I um, uh, think, I do not know what the specific adventure is, or actually I don't they're know playing. if I'm allowed to say it. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> well-
5: i'll tease that they're playing one of the society quests okay but because eric is involved and the black lodge crew is involved that one hour quest is definitely going to take the full Uh span of time yeah yeah yeah. they (laughs) like to role play and mess around so it should be a blast
0: excellent so uh we will be signing out and handing things over to them uh, we would like to very much thank Paizo for all the panelists uh for, you know, coming in at uh to do this and traveling all this way, uh and, and preparing the double tree Inn so that we can continue to uh <laughs> not host it there. Uh and I, uh, and I would like to thank all of the uh Organized play volunteers and the organized play team because those games are hopping, as well as the moderators over in the Pazacon Discord. If you haven't made it to Bar Chat, get to Bar Chat. If you're old enough, if you're old enough, you're old that's true. Sure. It, it is an NFSW. Yeah, yeah.
1: Cafe Chat is right next to it. Yeah, Cafe Chat. Right.
0: That hangout has been some of my favorite parts of uh, of, of of this. I was like, mm-hmm. I was hanging out with them uh, after uh, all the the streams uh talking about uh networking painting minis and stuff and i would also like to of course thank our crew over here at no direction which includes also everybody on this panel
1: the chat right now uh so yeah and let me just point out that for most of the day discord was on fire and oh, you yeah. two were actively still streaming while finding ways to put it out oh, or work around oh the my fire God, so what it. you two managed to do was uh, nothing I, short of I an mean, extreme juggling act well
0: done. i have
5: feelings
1: I, when i put together
0: all <laughs> these sure contingency plans for what to do if everything goes wrong i didn't expect paizo to ensure that everything would go no it's not paizo's fault uh was but, not paizo no no no, no. I was like this was a test wasn't it you all rigged this no no actually i'm super proud of the team they're fantastic v you were a hero uh randall was on it alex and dustin have been wrangling like pros ryan you have been there every time i need it even when you're wrangling with the kids and (laughs) john of course the whole team has just been absolutely fantastic but i have to thank them i have to sign off roll for combat's coming on next you all have fun and happy pies (laughs)
3: The No Direction Network's PaizoCon Online 2020 seminar coverage was made possible by the No Direction Con team, consisting of Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Parham, Ryan Costello, Alexander Agunis, Vanessa Hoskins, Randall Meyer, Dustin Knight, and John Godet. Special thanks to Paizo's social media producer, Peyton Smith, and the entire Paizo staff. For more great Pathfinder, Starfinder, and other RPG news, reviews, podcasts, and blogs, check out nodirectionpodcast.com.